0: Are you ready to fast and consecrate your life to God? Wonderful. Good. Well, today in our series of positioning, we are going to talk about practicing gratitude. Practicing gratitude. This is so important because if our attitude is not adjusted to one of gratitude, we lose out on a lot of what God has for us. So we're going to go right into the Word of God. We're looking at Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to read together. And reading together, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. From right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from every tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And then we read in Joshua chapter 4, verse 19 to 24. It says on the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until um, you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. And he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that we might always fear the Lord your God. This is an interesting thing that... God told Joshua to do, to identify one man from each tribe, a strong man, because I imagine that these boulders that they went to collect, to put on top of Gilgal and to make this um, memorial of stones, it wasn't little pebbles, it wasn't small stones, it was big boulders and they were carrying them on their shoulder right from the bottom of the Jordan River and up onto the hill where they piled them up. Why I think they must be really strong, big boulders, because if this was to be a memorial forever to their children's children, if it was a bunch of pebbles, they could have been knocked over very easily. I imagine that this thing that they built was quite something you could see from a long distance off. And it really was something that was going to stand for um, a number of generations. So... They didn't have pen and paper like we do, where we can write down and keep reminding ourselves of the good things, the interventions and good things that God does in our lives. They did things like stacking rocks, but the importance, the principle is the same for us to have stones of remembrance or things in our lives where we go back and that testify of God's intervention in our lives. Because the Israelites were about to take over this nation that God has promised them, their promised land. They were about to possess it. But to possess it, they had a lot of challenge. One enemy after another that they had to defeat. And it's the same in our lives as well. For us to possess what God has for us, it's not a simple walk in the park. How many of you know that it's a challenge? right? When there's some dream, something that you want to accomplish in life, something that you believe that God has said, this is what I want you to do. It's not a walk in the park. It's like to get from here to there, you got to pass through a whole lot of things and it's challenging. And sometimes we even lose sight of the goal. And that's when it's so good to remember. Wow. But if God brought me through the Jordan River. If God did this and if God did that, we begin to magnify God and thank him for what he's done in our lives already. It establishes faith in our hearts to believe even for what we're standing in right now. So we're going to talk about this morning, practicing gratitude. And I want to bring you three points of why it's so important to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Why is it so important in our life? And the first reason is that it's a principle of faith. One reason why it's so important to develop this attitude in our lives of gratitude, to make it a lifestyle, is because it's a principle of faith. In James, James writes to us in chapter 2, and he says in verse 20, that faith without deeds is useless, okay? And he says in verse 26, that faith without deeds is dead. It's like a man without a spirit. When the spirit leaves the man, he's dead. Okay. So you can't talk a lot of faith if you don't have the actions, if you don't follow through with the deed. And this is where Thanksgiving comes in because, because Thanksgiving makes our faith active as we focus on God and not the problem. So when the problem is there, we lift our eyes above it and we start thanking God like we've been doing this morning. Thanking God that, God, you are greater. You are greater than my situation. You are greater than that impossibility that I'm faced with this morning. And as we glorify him, we are putting action to our faith. We're stirring up our faith in our hearts to believe that God can see us through even what we're faced with right now. In Romans 8, chapter 28, is a scripture that we're probably all very familiar with that that says, we know that in all things, not some things, but all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So this is something that you need to know deep down in your heart, that God works Through all things, regardless of what the circumstances and situations are, God works through all those things for your good. We need to believe that. And thanksgiving and praise is based on a total and joyful acceptance of your present as being part of God's loving and perfect will for you. Not only on what you think or hope will happen in the future, but even what you're in right now. It's part of God's plan. He can take what you're in right now and turn it for his good, but we've got to have faith to believe that he hasn't abandoned us in the midst of that situation, but he's actually working for us and in that situation. Because when we do that, we allow the power of God to flow into that situation. God has a perfect plan for our lives. But he cannot move us into the next step of his plan until we joyfully accept our present situation as part of that plan. Okay, so if we live with a lot of ingratitude in our hearts, God, I wanted to be there and I'm not yet. What's wrong with you? Haven't you? um, Aren't you hearing my prayers? What's and we're blaming God that we're not where we're supposed to be. You're the one who's hindering your progress because you need to learn to be grateful for where you are right now. Thankful to God right where you are, because that opens the door for God to be able to take you the next step in your life. There's a guy by the name of Charles Spurgeon, an old uh, um, church father, who said a a quote that I love very much. It says, cry for grace from God, to be able to see God's hand in every trial, and then for grace to submit at once to it. Not only to submit, but to acquiesce or agree with it uh, and, and to rejoice in it. I think there's generally an end to troubles when we get to that place. That's a place of trust, that we know our life is in God's hand. And even the circumstances are surrounding and we don't like them very much. But getting to that place where we say, God, I'm thankful because I know that you are with me and you'll see me through to the next stage in my life. So why is it important to cultivate an attitude of gratitude Number f- the first one was it's a principle of faith. It stirs our faith into action in the situation within. And number two, the second reason is that it's a key that unlocks the supernatural miracle working power of God in our lives. Do you know that Thanksgiving has so much power? That when you obey God and you live in Thanksgiving, it unlocks his power to work in your situation, in your life. A person I think of that is very, um, that fits in well with this statement is from the book of Jonah. It's the life of Jonah. Because Jonah was called by God and God gave him an assignment and said, Jonah, I wanted you to do this. And Jonah didn't like that. He was like, no way. In our family, we say, no way, Jose. Right, Ethan? Yeah. He didn't want to do what God told him to do. And so he ran away and tried to get as far away from God as he could, as he possibly could go. He got on a ship and he traveled far. But how many of you know you can't run away from God, right? He can find you anywhere, wherever you go. You cannot run from God. And God sent a big storm. And the people threw all the cargo off the the ship trying to, not that the the ship wouldn't sink. But nothing worked. And in the end, Jonah said, I know this storm is because of me. God's upset with me because I was running away. I was being disobedient. So the only way this storm is going to stop and your lives are going to be saved is if you throw me into the sea. And they ended up doing that. Imagine what a high price to pay for disobedience he was going to die. That's what he expected. But God's grace is so much greater than what we deserve. Jonah deserved to, to, to drown in that sea. And yet God sent a whale, a large fish to swallow him and he didn't die, but he was in the belly of this big fish. And, um, I was looking in one of Ethan's little, um, Bibles and there's a cute little picture of Jonah in the fish, in the belly of the fish. And he's sitting there. It looks quite cozy. He's got a little candle, and he's praying to God in there. But how many of you know being inside a fish is not fun? I think it was very dark, very slimy and sticky, all sorts of other food that was semi-digested, that was swirling around in there in complete blackness. He couldn't see anything. And this was the situation. And Jonah, in chapter 2, it says in verse 2, he prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cry out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves, they passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. He still had hope (laughs) in the belly of the fish. He still believed that one day he would see the light of God's temple again and be able to worship there. And he says, the water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me and weeds were wrapped around my head. And I went down to the very moorings of the mountains. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered you, Lord. Right there in the worst of circumstances and situations, he remembered God. And my prayer went up to you. Then he says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So right there in his impossible situation... He offered a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Why is it a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something that's hard to do. And I'm sure it was a hard thing to offer that sacrifice right there in the belly of the fish. Because it seemed like, well, I mean, how's God going to get me out of this mess? And you know, sometimes we find ourselves in a mess. It's not even God's doing. It's our own doing. We got ourselves in that mess and we're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this mess. Do you know God is so much greater than even your mistakes, even your failures and your shortcomings? He's so much greater. And if you can choose to do what our friend Jonah here did, sacrifice to God in the midst of that situation, thanksgiving, the very next verse after he did that, it says in verse 10, So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on the dry ground. Nothing, as we've heard this morning already, nothing is impossible for God. And if you have given up on your situation, you've given up on your health, you've given up, the, and this is never going to happen. Today, I want to say there is hope because your God is great. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly what we can ask or think or even imagine. So let's start opening our voice and offering thanksgiving to God. It's not enough just to have it inside your heart and say, God knows I'm grateful. We need to speak it out of our mouth, okay? With our voice, we thank God. And when we do that, God is able to speak to the circumstances surrounding us, just as he did for this prophet Jonah. The change came when he started to thank God. So if you've been sitting in your circumstance for a while, and nothing is changing, I encourage you to start thanking God. Number three, the other reason why we need to develop an attitude of gratitude is that it sets a seal of permanence on blessings that might otherwise have been temporal. God wants to bless you. But he doesn't want to just bless you with temporal blessings. He wants to give permanent blessing in your life. But many times we sell ourselves short of what God really has for us because we don't have an attitude of gratitude. We read in Luke chapter 17 of Jesus as he was entering a village. There were 10 lepers who came to Jesus. They stood at a distance actually because they were unclean and they were not supposed to mix with people who were not sick. And they lived outside the city gates. So they were um, rejected, rejects, living outside the city. And they stood at a distance and they shouted to Jesus, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me, on us. There were 10 of them. So Jesus looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priests. That was a funny statement, but that's what Jesus said. Go show yourselves to the priests. And so they went And as they went, they were cleansed from the leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting. One out of ten, when he saw he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And he came back to say, thank you. So Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Other translations say your faith has made you whole. Other translations say, your faith has saved you. The Greek word here that's used for saved or healed or whole is the word zozo. And this word, is, it speaks of salvation. It's an all-inclusive word of salvation, both for the soul, the spirit, and the body. So when Jesus said this to this man, not only did God, Jesus, offer this leper healing for his physical body, But he even extended healing to his spirit in order he received salvation. How much of a greater gift was it to receive eternal life than just to receive a temporal blessing of your body being healed? So out of these ten, only one received what I believe Jesus wanted to give to all of them. But the nine of them disqualified themselves from receiving the full blessing God had for them because they failed to be grateful, to say thanks. That's really a challenge to us to live with an attitude of gratitude for everything that God has, everything that he does in your life. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 said, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it's not regardless of what, it's regardless of what the circumstances are. They might be good. They might be bad. It doesn't matter. It's all circumstances. God wants us. It's his will for you and me to live a lifestyle of thankfulness. He always wants us to give thanks. And if we're not always thankful, we're actually disobeying God and allowing circumstances to affect our appreciation of God. We shouldn't do that because God's the same, regardless of what our circumstances are. Continuous thanksgiving brings God's continuous interference into all that we're involved in. So let's live with a lifestyle where we practice gratitude. Now, I want to speak this morning to you about the spirit of entitlement because I've seen this so often. People are believing God for something, and they're standing in that place of believing God for something. And when God is gracious, and he answers your prayer, he gives you that promotion, or He, um, whatever it is in your life. Immediately, instead of gratitude, so often I see a spirit of entitlement that all of a sudden people feel like, Oh, right, now I can look down on you, because... I'm up here and you're down there, and yet it's the same grace of God that lifted you to where you are that's going to lift your neighbor up. And many times in our life, because of that spirit of entitlement where we think we deserve and we become proud, as soon as God does something good in our lives, God would like your life to be blessed and move and progress upward. But some people Live like this. Because God blesses you. You get up there. You become proud and entitled. And the Bible says pride comes before a fall. Oh, then you're down there again. Oh, no, God, help me up. Help me up. God helps you. He blesses you. He gives you grace. He raises you. He gives you a job. And all of a sudden, you're just so proud. You can't even come to church. You can't even greet some of the friends from church because they don't have jobs like I do. And all of a sudden, we fall down again. Maybe you don't recognize this in your life, but I see it. I see it. And this is why I'm addressing it this morning. Because for us to position ourselves correctly, to receive what God has for us, we need to live lifestyles of where we practice gratitude. There's a story, a parable that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven was like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had was to be sold to repay the debt. Ten thousand bags of gold. That was a huge debt. I think he would never have been able to pay it. Even if him and his whole family and all these things were sold, it wouldn't even be enough to pay back what he owed. So it was an impossible debt. Kind of like our situation where we're in sin, right? There's nothing we can do to us to save ourselves. All of our good works amount to nothing because we have fallen short of the glory of God and we'll never be able to reach that we're so oh we're so indebted. So what did this king do? When the servant fell on his knees before him and begged to him to give him time, the servant's master took pity on him. He cancelled his debt and he let him go. What a gracious, what a kind, generous king he was. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him be patient with me and I'll pay you back. So you see his friend here, he owed him such a little amount. But can you see the spirit of entitlement in this guy? As soon as the grace of God is extended in his life and he's forgiven, instead of being grateful and living in that place of humility and recognizing that it's the grace of God in my life. He became arrogant. And as soon as he walks out there, he's been forgiven of all his debt. Then he grabs his friend by the throat and demands from him that he pays him back the few coins that he owes. Do you know the end of this story? I think you know it very well. When the king heard about this, he was very angry. And he called him back and he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all your debt because you begged me to shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. It was not the king's desire to do that to this guy. It was his attitude that ended him in an imprisoned state. And you know, when we have that spirit of entitlement that as soon as God blesses us and there's Progress, or we rise up, or God opens new doors for us, we need to be so aware of that. Let's remain grateful for what God does in our lives. Because if we forget to be grateful, if we begin to be entitled and look down on others who haven't come to where we are, God can never bring us to that place where He wants to take you. Do you know God has so much in store for you? And sometimes He even withholds His blessing in your life because He knows. Well, I know you're praying for a job, but if I give you this job, we're not going to see you in church for the next two years because you're going to be so busy and you're going to forget about me. So maybe God's like, "Mm, yeah, maybe you're not ready for this job yet. (laughs) God wants us to grow our hearts so that we remain humble and realize that every blessing in our life comes from God. And live with that gratitude in our lives. I want to go back to the story that we started with. As the Israelites were crossing the Jordan River. I want to speak a little bit about the Passover. Because we're going to have communion today. And the very first Passover. When the tradition of Passover started. It was when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And the judgment of God was on the. On Egypt and God sent the angel of death to come and kill every firstborn son in all of Egypt and the Israelites were told find a perfect one-year-old lamb slaughter it take the blood from that lamb and put it on the doorposts of your house and when the angel of judgment when God's judgment is coming and it comes to your house When the angel sees the blood, which represents the blood of Jesus, the judgment of God will pass over you. And they experienced this. It was such an amazing thing. Throughout the city, they could hear the cries of mourners who've lost their firstborn sons. And yet in their own home, God spared their firstborn. Not because they were better than the Egyptians, but because of the blood. And as a result of this, it became a tradition, something God said that they should practice year after year to celebrate the Passover, to remember what God did back then. But this was a picture of what God has done in our lives Now, the second time that we experienced the Passover is the one that we just read about today, because this was during the time of the flood. It was during the harvest time. We've read about how the river of Jordan was um, flooding over the banks. It was the Passover, the time when they actually crossed over the Jordan River. It was that same time. And you know, the water speaks of judgment. You know, when Noah, the people um, were sinning, badly against God. And Noah was told to build the ark and God brought the water to judge the people and they got killed. So water is a picture of God's judgment. And here we have God who parted the Jordan River and the ark of the covenant, which represents Jesus Christ that went in and went before the people and stood there holding back the judgment of God upon the people so that they could cross through from the wilderness into the promised land, from the life of being lost in an empty place to the place of which was flowing with milk and honey. Again, this was a picture of what we know. It was just a type and a shadow of what we know today and what we celebrate as we come to the communion table today. Because when Jesus went to that cross... He didn't die for his sins. He died for your sins and for my sins. He took our place. He took the judgment of God upon himself that you might receive the blessing of God in your life. And this for me, the communion. We might not have a big pile of stones of remembrance of what God did. But God gave us the Lord's Supper. Communion as the meal of remembrance, to remember what Jesus did for us. Because were it not for Jesus, where would we be right now? We owe it all to him. And this is the place of remembrance we need to come back to time and time again. As God blesses you in your life, as God, um, regardless of what we're in in our lives, may we always come back to this place where we remember, if not for the grace of God. We would not be where we are today.